1: Welcome back, I am Seth Leapson. this your open line Fridays. Let me give you the number out uh, Friday. Let me give you the phone number six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty This Sunday we will commemorate the twenty first anniversary of the worst terrorist attack on u s soil and against Americans in our history. There's a lot to say about it. My fear is that most of what needs to be remembered and said. Will not be. I usually start in talking about 9 11 with a line from Deborah Burlingame a few years after September 11th, 2001. Deborah's brother, Chick Burlingame, was one of the pilots of American Airlines Flight 77 that was aimed at and smashed into the Pentagon. Asked by Neil Cavuto what she missed most after 9 11. A few years after 9-11, she said, What I miss most is the anger. That was the right sentiment. It is also a very distant one. I was in Washington, D.C. on 9-11. My office was right across from the White House. I remember that day well. I had just come out of a Tuesday Bible study we had every week, and I turned on the Today Show and a bunch of us sat transfixed at my television Watching, watching, and watching. And then that second plane came by our screens, through our screens, and struck the World Trade Center as the reporters were trying to figure out how the first one came about. In short order, the Secret Service, the U.S. Secret Service, came rushing into our building and evacuated us. Professor Wilford McClay got it right when he compared where we are today in the War on Terror to an old sign he has in his office, the sign that says, Remember Pearl Harbor. And with Pearl Harbor, we all knew what to remember, and some of us still do. We knew what to remember then, and we did. In his history book, Land of Hope, Dr. McClay writes, quote, For the human animal, meaning is not a luxury. It is a necessity. Without it, we perish. Historical consciousness is to civilized society what memory is to individual identity. Without memory and without the stories by which our memories are carried forward, we cannot say who or what we are. Without them, our life and thought thought dissolve into a meaningless, unrelated rush of events. A meaningless, unrelated rush of events. I call it the frenzy. Today... To remember 9-11 is both a controversial and confusing thing. Today, we don't ask if we've defeated the terrorist threat. Today, we ask if we overreacted. We ask if we're Islamophobic. Today, we remember the tragedy, but we forget the horror. We rightfully honor the memory of the dead, but we ignore and suppress the evil that made them dead. The survivors of the Holocaust got it right. They understood the power of memory just as quickly as Eisenhower did when he arrived at the Ordorf death camp. He said the picture of evil needed to be preserved. Holocaust museums get it mostly right when they intone that phrase, never again. Though a look around the world illustrates that promise was never fulfilled or absorbed. And indeed today... There are Holocaust studies programs at our universities, so as to recall that horror. I know of no radical Islamist programs, and frankly, I'd be afraid of them, given how the professorial class treats the notion of evil and the threat of radical Islam itself. In our elementary and secondary schools, most of the textbooks, and a lot, not all, but a lot, of the teachers actually buy into and accept much of the Islamist complaint about America and the West. You know the complaint. It states, as the cultural critic Bruce Bauer put it, quote, Knowing little about America and its history, American students are easily persuaded by multicultural-minded professors that their country is not a light unto the nations, but a blight on the planet, and that other cultures, if not downright admirable, can be excused for their failings, because those failings are for some reason or other, ultimately our fault. Close quote. I found it interesting that according to one study, fewer than half the states explicitly identify the 9-11 attacks in their high school standards for social studies. It's extremely complicated to explain what happened, one education expert said. The problem, of course, begins with how we teach civics in American history. You can't put the genie back in the bottle once you've smashed the bottle. How have we smashed the bottle? We have downgraded our exceptionalism. We have taught that all cultures are deemed equal. We have taught that all religions are deemed equal, except when we find it acceptable to blame the Western culture or the Christian religion. But you will find it impossible to find an academic critical eye fixed on which societies elevate and esteem individual rights and which do not. So where are we going? Nobody knows. Of course, it starts with our own homeland security and moves outward from there into our academia and foreign policy. So we had a secretary of homeland security, our former governor, who said she prefers the phrase man-caused disasters to terrorism when Barack Obama became the first post-9-11 president. The Department of Defense and the Department of State were instructed by the Obama White House to replace the phrase war on terror with the phrase overseas contingency operations. And then there was Fort Hood, where the chief of staff of the army at the time, George Casey, said what was perhaps the worst thing that could be said about the terrorist attack at Fort Hood. He said, quote, our diversity, not only in our army, but in our country, is a strength. And as horrific as this tragedy was, if our diversity becomes a casualty, I think that's worse, close quote. Losing political correctness in the military would be worse than the death of 14 people, according to the chief of staff of the United States Army. This was on an army base in Texas that that terrorist attack took place. And I guess he can get away with saying that much like losing 13 American soldiers in the evacuation of Afghanistan can be called an extraordinary success by this president. Then we added insult to injury with the Pentagon report on Fort Hood. The report mentioned radical Islam not once. It mentioned causes of violence such as low self-esteem, depression, disgruntled employee syndrome, White supremacy, right-wing policies. Its recommended solution? More health care providers, of course. Lost on the Pentagon was that Major Nidal Hassan was a doctor. He was a health care provider. He was not a white supremacist with low self-esteem. During all this, our then commander-in-chief continued to negotiate with another terrorist entity, Iran, and shoveled billions of dollars at them. And when the dissidents there, in Iran, had an opportunity to overthrow their mulocracy, our president said, we will not meddle. So, meddle we did not. And the dissidents were crushed, and Iran became ever closer to acquiring a nuclear weapon, and ever closer ...to obtaining tens of billions of more dollars, courtesy of the latest deal this administration is trying to broker with those same mullahs. We did, however, meddle in Egypt. We meddled in telling our longtime ally Hosni Mubarak, that he had to go. Go he went, and in came the Muslim Brotherhood. Among its first acts was to establish an alliance with Iran. Showing how little that administration understood the Middle East... Our then-Secretary of State and future Democratic presidential candidate named Hillary Clinton testified that Bashir Assad of Syria should be seen as a reformer. Her words. Today, Syria is a slaughterhouse. Again. So who's winning? Who's won? Have we won? No, we simply have not. Iran is more powerful than ever. The Palestinians continually attempt to become a full state recognized by the United Nations. And the Taliban is back in charge of Afghanistan. Meanwhile, the A Team of Terrorism, Hezbollah, is financially and violently active not only in the Middle East, but in Latin America as it was never before. Let me finish by saying this How we talk, think, and teach here, and what goes on here matters. I take my cues from Lincoln. Only we can destroy ourselves. Quote, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide, he said. There were heroes on 9-11. I want us never to forget them. Today we are remembering one person from the United Kingdom. I'd like us to remember another one who lost their life, his life, 21 years ago. His name was Rick Rascorla. He should be a household name. Bill Bennett and I dedicated our book on terrorism, The Fight of Our Lives, to him. Learning names like his is the other way we stay a nation of free men. First, unlike the record above, we understand our enemy. We take our enemy seriously and we call it by its proper name. Second, we forever esteem those who did just that and made this country better because they saw things for what they really were and saw their duty to save American lives who was Rick Rascorla. He moved to the United States from Great Britain. He came here to actually help us, join us in our fight in Vietnam. And he fought in the famous Battle of La Drang. His picture is on the cover of the book, We Were Soldiers, Once and Young. He came back from Vietnam and in time became head of security for Morgan Stanley. After the first attack on the World Trade Center in 1993, he knew the terrorists would come again. So what did he do? Here's how the journalist Amanda Ripley describes it. From the 1993 on, Rescorla started running the entire company through frequent surprise fire drills. He trained employees to meet in the hallway between the stairwells and, at his direction, go down the stairs, two by two, to the 44th floor. He noticed they moved slowly, so he started timing them with a stopwatch, and they got faster. The radicalism of Rascorla's drills cannot be overstated. Remember, Morgan Stanley was an investment bank. Millionaire, high-performance bankers on the 73rd floor chafed at Rascorla's evacuation regimens. They did not appreciate interrupting high-net-worth clients in the middle of a meeting. Each drill, which pulled the firm's brokers off their phones and away from their computers, cost the company money. But Rascorla did it anyway. He didn't care whether he was popular. When guests visited Morgan Stanley for training, Roscorla made sure they all knew how to get out as well. Even though the chances were slim, Roscorla wanted them ready for an evacuation. Then came September 11, 2001. Rascorla grabbed his his bullhorn, his walkie-talkie, and his cell phone and began systematically ordering Morgan Stanley employees to get out. They all knew what to do even the 250 visitors who were taking a stockbroker training class and had already been shown the nearest stairway. Rascorla had led soldiers through the Viet Cong-controlled central highlands of Vietnam. He knew the brain responded poorly to extreme fear. Back then, he had calmed his men by singing Cornish songs from his youth. Now, in the crowded stairwell, as his sweat leached through his suit jacket, Rascorla began to sing into the bullhorn. Men of Cornwall, stand ye steady. It cannot be ever said ye for the battle. We're not ready. Stand and never yield, he shouted. He saved thousands of lives that day, thousands, but not his own. His last recorded words were, quote, as soon as I make sure everyone else gets out, close quote. He said those words in response to Morgan Stanley Regional Manager John Olson, who was yelling at him, Rick, Rick, you've got to get out, too. Who was Rick Rascorla? He was an American by choice. He was a hero. Of him, as of so many, it may be said of them, as Stephen Spender wrote, the names of those who in their lives fought for life, who wore at their hearts the fire's center. Born of the sun, they traveled a short while towards the sun and left the vivid air signed with their honor. We owe it to our heroes, to our ancestors, and to our progeny to know names like Rick's. And we owe it to civilization's adherence to oppose civilizational abuse. Yes, we have an enemy, and yes, it is real, and we can never forget it. Nor can we ever or should we ever forget what our enemy did to us and what it still plans for us. The beginning of our wisdom here will be the beginning of our memories. But we have a lot of relearning and a lot of remembering to do. Indeed, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Leibson Show. Portions of which are brought to you by my friends at Y ReFi. If you're looking for a remarkable and unique investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out Why ReFi. What they're offering is a fixed no-load interest rate up to ten point two five percent return for investors, and it's all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Why ReFi is a due diligence approved firm. It's run by really great people. They are investors who do well by doing good for others, and you can be a part of that, too. InvestYRefy.com is how to check them out. The word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. InvestYrefi.com Or give them a call at 855-316-3087. 855-316-3087. Uh, I mentioned in the monologue previously, Bill Bennett and I wrote a book on uh, 9-11. We wrote a book on the war against uh, terrorism against uh, terrorists. Uh, It's called The Fight of Our Lives. And um, one of the things we did maybe hard for people to remember all of this, but one of the things we did along with that book was also form an organization called Americans for Victory Over Terrorism where we, he and I, along with Jim Woolsey, who's a former CIA director, Charles Krauthammer, uh, who probably doesn't need much of a description, uh, Frank Gaffney, uh, we went to college campuses around the country, everywhere from Harvard and Columbia to UCLA and GW, you name it. Uh, we went, C-SPAN covered some of these, to talk about radical Islam, to do what we called teach-ins, like are done in the 60s, except the ones in the 60s were against the war. We were talking about the kind of war we were up against and would have to fight. And one of the things we did in our book, uh, The Fight of Our Lives, was talk about how much uh, how much sentiment, how much anti American sentiment there was in America after nine eleven a lot of us like to remember how we all so much came together uh and 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 we did in record ways it didn 't last long we did in record ways, but not in the academics, not in academia, not at the universities uh, we uh, identified a series of quotes and writings. From a series of scholars, many of you will remember uh, one of the more famous ones was a man named Ward Churchill, a professor in Colorado who spoke of um, uh, America had what it had uh, got what it had coming to it and the people who died on 9/11 were themselves little Eichmanns just by dint of being Americans. Um, and there was a lot of that there was a lot of that and you got a lot of that again in various bombings that took place after 9-11 that many of us tend to forget, including the Boston Marathon bombing. Remember the Tsarnaev brothers. There's a lesson in that, too, and if you'll bear with me when we come back, I'll share it with you. Uh, again, Open Lines Friday as well, if you want to share anything uh, you have with regard to the uh, commemoration of 9-11 or anything else. I'm at 602 And we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature. What a great company. They, aside from making a fantastic product, their fruits and veggies, which I take every single day, are also dedicating themselves to helping teach American history, helping parents teach their children American history history. Uh, I'll connect that to what I'm talking about in a moment. But in the meantime, balanceofnature.com is where to go to get their great product, their fruits and veggies. Again, I take them every day. Pure, potent plant power, 100% natural, nothing added, just a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables. You take them once a day and you're boosting your energy, you're boosting your health, you're boosting your immunity. balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. The importance of understanding history, uh, on the one hand, and my ongoing campaign, some of you gel to, uh, against the frenzy of our daily leapfrogging from issue to issue and crisis to crisis as uh, perpetuated and uh, disseminated by social media and cable news and uh, particularly uh, the Democratic Party and the left taking us from crisis to crisis and emergency to emergency – is we don't really have time or the ability, we're not left with any time or ability to assimilate what's going on in real time, much less understand historical contexts. This is what I was getting at with regard to the monologue above and quoting Professor Bill McClay on the importance of understanding history and the importance of memory. Uh, one of the uh, Boston Marathon bombers, the one who survived, Jahar uh, Tsarnaev, he was um, profiled, as many of you may recall, in Rolling Stone magazine, kind of given a, gla- a glamorous uh, picture and long story about him. And the picture got a lot of condemnation. The story wasn't that bad, I have to tell you, uh, for what it said and uh, what it said about him and how someone like him could come about. It quoted, um, it quoted him on uh, something he had tweeted out uh, before the Boston Marathon bombing, where he wrote, I don't know why it's hard for many to accept that 9-11 was an inside job. I mean, I guess, F the facts, y'all are some real patriots, get hip, whatever any of that means. And of course, he used the real F word, which doesn't matter in this context either. But the point was, he was under the belief and trying to prosecute the notion that 9-11 was an inside job. A lot of people believe that, and a lot of terrorists and would-be terrorists believe that. They interviewed a teacher, a smart history teacher in Boston where he went to school, who said this in the Rolling Stone magazine interview. I think it's one of the most important quotes of all time, quite frankly. This teacher said, the problem with this demographic, the young male adult, problem with this demographic is they don't know the basic narratives of history or really any narratives. They're blazed on pot and searching the Internet for any factoids that they believe fit their highly dehistoricized and decontextualized ideologies. And the adult world totally misunderstands them and dismisses them and does so at our collective peril. I think that's one of the most important quotes I've ever read. By the way, a little pet peeve of mine is the misuse of words. Factoid is an oft misused word. Here, it's used perfectly and aptly. Again, the quote is, they're searching the Internet for any factoids that they believe fit their highly dehistoricized and decontextualized ideologies. This teacher knows what he's talking about. A lot of people use the word factoid to mean small fact. It doesn't mean small fact. It means false fact, something that isn't true. That's what this generation is seeking, searching for. And they use it to fit their dehistoricized and decontextualized ideologies. This is what the frenzy does. This is why Bill McClay could write that. A culture without memory will necessarily be barbarous and easily tyrannized, even if it is technologically advanced. The incessant waves of daily events will occupy all our attention and defeat all our efforts to connect past, present, and future, thereby diverting us from an understanding of the human things that unfold in time, including the paths of our own lives I use the word frenzy to describe what we're put through. Frenzy, I think, is a really good word. You know what the etymology of frenzy is from Latin? It means delirium, a diseased mind. That's what we're being put through when the thing we need most is sanity and historical context. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-5080-960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing, the only company I have used for years and continue to use, as do all my friends. It's a great company. You'll know at the moment you speak with them when you need them for your air conditioning and plumbing needs, any and all, whether it's replacement, repair, installation, inspection, you name it. CoolTouch.us, CoolTouch.us, or you can call them at 623-748-4942, 623-748-4942. Chris Funk and his team, you hear his voice in his ads. He's exactly, and his team is exactly what he says they are, just the best people you can find. Uh, 602 508 is my number, and George is in Goodyear. Thank you for your patience, sir. Welcome.
2: Hey, thank you, Seth, for taking my call. You bet. Really appreciate it. First of all, I want to give you the props, and God bless you and your family and the crew over there for putting out, standing up, and standing really, really tall for all us conservative Americans who actually believe in the Constitution. We believe in the red wave, and we the real president, Donald J. Trump. We're going to get this back.
1: Thank you, George. Uh, just
2: to say that, um, yeah, absolutely. Just to say that I'm Cuban. I am a uh, naturalized citizen of the United States. I love this country. I'm 60 years old. I came here when I was seven. I've seen it from the best of the best to the, this is decrepit. This is awful. And what this idiot was speaking the other night with a red uh, issue in the back using our Marines, that's insulting. That's embarrassing. This guy doesn't even know how to be embarrassed. He's just a puppet, and I guess his strings got all tied up because he said a couple of words right. It's it's just awful. I mean, I've come from a country that is communist. I've seen the rapes. I've seen the 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 horrific uh, lifestyle in Cuba. To to come here to America and work my butt off and. You know, just seeing go down the drain like this, and they think that they're going to win. God bless America. God bless us all, and take care of us because this is just getting
1: stupid. Hey, George, Very question great. question for you, sir. What? Ex- sure. Yeah, you bet. Because I, I, you know, I have met so many um, immigrants to America who fled or left, usually fled communist countries uh, like yourself. A lot of them uh, from Eastern Europe. What was Used to be known as Eastern Europe, and they they sound just like you. I mean, they they are, you know, the, you, you could all be singing from the same hymnal, really. And 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 God bless, um, God bless, God bless you for reminding us of 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 what it is that you did flee and what you do recognize here as the incipient uh, recreation of what you fled. To be quite honest with yeah. you, but what explains, George? What explains so many otherwise? fellow Americans who buy buy into this crud who buy into it is it that they seek a meaning in their lives that is somehow absent is it that they're subject to propaganda is it that they didn't study the evils of communism or history is it all of the above is it something else george what explains it yeah you you could you could say that because it's like giving it's like um okay you remember the the uh,
2: the, uh, the movie predator
1: when he yes, was sitting in the yes, tree yes, and the little yeah, boy me a walks moment. up. Sure, yeah, right.
2: Right, the, the, when the little boy walks up and, and then the little boy says, want some candy?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: This is what it's all about. They are literally dropping little candy drops to all these people thinking, well, as long as we keep them happy, they're going to go with our situation. We'll, we'll keep them blind. Mm-hmm. We'll keep them blind. But they don't realize they're not wolves in sheep's clothing. They are goats. In wolves' clothing, yeah. yeah, they're worse than wolves. They are demons,
1: uh-huh. okay?
2: Because they're, they're 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 evil people who don't care about the person next to them that voted for them. It's like, yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. Here's a, here's a, here's the a gum. Go go go. Chew it in the corner. Yeah. While we do what I what we do what we want to do. You know, to, 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 the, to the rest of America is just flush down the toilet and you go with it. Yeah. But then again, when they're drowning in their own vomit, you know, they're going to realize this is too late. This is not what we want. Well, wake up, America. This is not Cuba. This is not China. This is the United States of America where everybody sweats, tears and bleeds to make a better country for not only ourselves, our children and our neighbors. We're not here to pay for everybody else's situation. We're here to take everybody that we love and enjoy each other's company. I have black friends. I have Chinese, Mexican. I have white friends. I'm married to a beautiful Jewish woman that takes care of me wonderfully. And I'm Cuban. You
1: know? I, uh, Come on, I I'm going to read evil. you something. I, I'm going to read you something. I think you might love um, on the other okay. side of this break, uh, George. Um, it was sure. one of the best things that was written um, after 9/11, um, and it was inspired by a um, uh, an ad. Believe it or not, an ad that was um, taken out in a Pakistani newspaper that had published a reward anyone who killed an American, and uh, the response to it was uh, just fantastic, and I'm going to read it to you. Um, if I can do so in the next break, I will. Your, 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 your point about this being um, treated as, as, as candy uh, or fool's gold, uh, these ideologies, uh, something that uh, looks good on the surface, may even taste good at first bite, um, but ends up creating a nightmare, um, is important for us all to remember when it comes to ideology as much as when it comes to other harms in society, physical harms. You know, when you were speaking, George, I was thinking about uh, maybe you've seen these scenes of uh, these candy looking like fentanyl pills that were confiscated at the southern border, Uh, pills with the illegal fentanyl in them that were designed to look basically like sweet tarts, candy, something attractive. Um, that's, that is the noxiousness of Marxism. I remember about 22 or so years ago, I guess it would have been, when there was these debates over uh, permanent normal trade relations with China. Um, uh, a few of us were opposed. A lot of us were not. And it went through. I was opposed. Uh, and I remember shortly after uh, permanent normal trade relations with China went through a friend of mine uh, used to head the Family Research Council. A guy named Gary Bauer was also on my side against uh, permanent normal trade relations with China. He said, "My concern is with permanent normal trade relations with China. Is it's going to change us more than it's going to change them? We play with these. Um, we play with these noxious ideologies. We give them money. We give them credence. We give them credibility." It just gives them more power and us less. And yeah, damn it, George, you're right. It's changing us, not them. Thank you, sir. God bless you. And uh, let see if I can do this right. Ten un excelente fin de semana. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. October of 2001 by Peter Ferrara. He wrote, you probably missed it in the rush of news, but there was a report that a Pakistani newspaper had published someone's offer of a reward to anyone who killed an American, any American. So I just thought I would write to let them know what an American is so they will know when they find one. An American is English or French or Italian, Irish, German, Spanish, Polish, Russian or Greek, Cuban. An American may also be from Africa, India, China, Japan, Australia, Iran. An American is Christian or Jewish or Buddhist or Muslim. In fact, there are more Muslims in America than in Afghanistan. The only difference is that in America, they are free to worship as they choose. An American is also free to believe in no religion. For that, he will answer only to God, not to the government, or to armed thugs claiming to speak for God or the government. An American is from the most prosperous land in the history of the world. The root of that prosperity can be found in the Declaration of Independence, which recognizes the God-given right of each man and woman to the pursuit of happiness. An American is generous. Americans have helped friend and foe in their time of need. When Afghanistan was overrun by the Soviet Army, Americans came with arms and supplies to enable the people to win back their country. As of the morning of September 11, the Americans were giving more than any other nation to the poor in Afghanistan. An American does not have to obey the mad ravings of ignorant, ungodly, cruel old men. American men will not be fooled into giving their lives to kill innocent people so that foolish old men may stay in power. American women are free to show their beautiful faces to the world or not as they choose. An American is free to criticize his government's officials when they are wrong. Then he is free to replace them by majority vote. Americans welcome people from all lands, cultures, religions, because they are not afraid. They are not afraid that their history, their religion, their beliefs will be overrun or forgotten. That is because they know that in this country, they will always be free to embrace their religion, their beliefs, their history as they choose. And just as Americans welcome all, they enjoy the best that everyone has to bring from all. The best science, technology, products, books, music, food, athletes. Americans welcome the best, but they also welcome the least. The national symbol of America welcomes the tired and poor. These, in fact, are people who helped build America. Many of them were working in the Twin Towers on the morning of September 11th, trying to provide a better life for their families. So you can try to kill an American if you must. Hitler did. So did General Tojo and Stalin and Mao Tung. But in doing so... You will just be killing yourself because Americans are not a particular people from a particular place. They are the embodiment of the human spirit of freedom. Everyone who holds to that spirit everywhere is an American. So look around you. You will find more Americans in your land than you thought there were. And you can expect that one day they will rise up and overthrow the old ignorant tired tyrants that have troubled too many lands. Then those lands, too, will join the community of free